Okay. Our Kela uh, Mikvah has been uh, closed for a few weeks because we're doing repairs, and in the interim, we have advised people to use the Kela Mikvah on the uh, Upper East Side. But there are those who have asked whether or not they could use the Hudson River for Tfilas Kelim while the Kela Mikvah is closed. And that was actually a shayla that came up as well during COVID when the Kela Mikvah was closed. Is the Hudson River uh, um, usable for Tfilas Kelim? <laughs> no one asked about Tfilas Nashim in the Hudson River. But it really has, it boils down to the same shayla and it touches upon many important yesodas in Hudson Mikvah. So the Pasuk tells us a few times with regards to those who are Tommy that they require Verochatz Bermayim, Verochatz Besar Bermayim, Verochatz Bermayim V'Toher, that in order to become Torah, they have to wash themselves in water. It's, uh, the Torah, though, never identifies what kind, or, or in, in that uh, setting, doesn't identify what kind of water is required uh, to achieve Tahara. However, elsewhere, in a different context, the Pasuk in Parashat Shemini tells us, with regards to Tumas Nevela, that if a Nevela touches something, it becomes Tameh, um, but the Pasuk says, However, if the Nevela touches water that's in the ground, either spring water, or a cistern of rainwater, it touches that water, that water remains tar. So that's only talking about Tumas Nevela. That doesn't necessarily tell us that those who immerse themselves in the water become tar. However, the Gemara Masech himself from Darshan, from that Pasuk, that it's not only telling us that the water remains tar, but even also, or additionally, those who immerse themselves in that water become tahar. That whoever immerses themselves in the water should become tahar. As Rashi says in the second line, If he enters into the water, he should become uh, tahar. How did they see that in the Pasuk? Pasuk's talking about that the water is not makabal tumas nevela. How do you see that if you immerse yourself in the water, you become tahar? So Mepharshim explained this because that's obvious. Anything that's attached to the ground remains tar. A house doesn't become tummy if it's attached to the ground. Ground itself is not makabal tumma. So water that's in the ground, of course, shouldn't be makabal tumma. Why is the Pusik teaching me? Rather, it must be it's coming to teach me that if you immerse yourself in the water, you become tar. However, the two, the, the Pashup shot in the Pasuk and, the, and what Chazal derived from at the second level of interpretation are related. Are related. The Chazam Sefer quotes in the name of a Kadmon. He said he forgot who, where he saw it. It turns out it's the Rao Bag in his commentary on Parsha Shmini, but the Chas Sam Sefer just quotes the name of a Kadmon that the reason or the way that a mikveh is metahir is because if you immerse yourself in something which isn't makabal tumah, so that itself is what confers upon a person uh, the status of tahara. Because you immerse yourself in something that's tar. So since the water that's, immer- that's in the ground is not makabal tumah, tumas nevego, if you talk to nevego, comes in contact with it. So if you immerse yourself in that water, which itself is not makabal tumah, you become relieved, you become uh, you know, healed from your tumah. And you become, you become Tahar. So it's related. The fact that it's not Makabal Tum and the fact that it confers Tahar upon a person who is Tame, in fact, are related. But that's the way that a person becomes Tahar is he immerses himself in one of these two bodies of water. Achmayan, Ubar Mikvamayan, Yatar. Either a Mayan or a sister, either spring water or a sister in a well of rainwater. The Pasikdo begins Ach. Ach always comes to exclude something. So the Sifra over here comments over here, Oizbez, that there are two differences between the Mayan and the Mikvah. Ach comes to tell me there are certain properties that exist by the mind that do not extend to the mikvah. The first is that a mind is metahir bekolshehu. Even a small amount of spring water is metahir, as opposed to a mikvah that requires arboim saw. The mikvah, and will be on the second line, mikvah The second difference is that a mind is metahir bezeichlin. A mind is metahir even when the water is moving, as opposed to a mikvah that is only metahir bashburin, when the water is stationary, when it's stagnant, when it's in the same place. Calm, then it is metar, not while it's running or while it's, while it's moving. 
uh, the difference between the mind and the mikvah with regards to the shear uh, rarely plays out lemaisa. It's not something that we usually, uh, you know, makes any difference halacha lemaisa. Why? Because all immersions, whether in a mayan or in a mikvah, require the person to immerse their entire body all at once. The Torah's kainim says over here, Oiz Gimel, commenting on the policy in Parshish Emor, Uba Hashem There are certain individuals who um, go to the mikvah and don't become Torah right away. They require what's known as Harav Shemesh. They go to the mikvah in the morning, and that uh, is the first stage of their Tahara process. They become what's known as a Tvu Yoim. Uh, but their tahara process is not completed until the end of the day at Har of Shemesh when the sun sets. Huh? Oh, it's in the daf. Okay. So Uba Hashem. So the person is stuck in limbo so between the tefillah and the sun setting. He's stuck in limbo. So known as full yom. So over here, the the pasuk says Uba Hashem Shvetahir. When the sun sets, he'll become tahar. So, so if, uh, the Torah's kindim comments just like it, the person doesn't become tahar until the ball of the sun dips below the horizon completely. So, so too, a person doesn't become Torah unless he submerges himself completely in the waters of the mikvah, the waters of the mind. It has to all be at once, submerge yourself in the waters of the mikvah, the waters of the mind. So that's why you can't do uh, one arm, you know, one minute, take it out, put the other arm, like a hokey pokey, one arm in, one arm out, one arm in, one arm out, one leg in, one leg out. Even though by hexa kalim that does work, by the way. If you want to kasher a kli, you can kasher one side of the kli, put it in the waters of Hagala. If it's too big, then flip it around, put the other side in the waters of Hagala. That's not the case when it comes to tefillah and a mikvah. It always requires tefillah, kulon uh, kalkas. So you have to put the entire body in, or the entire kli in, all at once. So by tefillah's kalim, you could have less than one. So the Gemara says, over here, Masech Tzachagiga, because of this, because it requires tefillah, kulon kalkas, so not only, well, not only do you need practically when you do the tefillah that the whole thing should be submerged in the waters all at once, but the Gemara here comments in the Pasuk and Parashas Mitzvah, that you should wash all of your body in the waters of the mikvah. So how much water do you need? Not only practically when you're doing the immersion, you have to immerse the entire body or the entire kli all at once, but you also need a measure of water that could cover the average person, the benoni. How much water could cover the average person? Meaning, irrelevant, even if a person is very small and he could be typhoid in less water, there's a certain baseline requirement for, you know, the shear of the mikvah. How much is that? Because the Apostle says, water that can submerge the entire body, presumably the entire body of the average person. How much is that? So the Gemara says over here in Chagiga, that's 40 saw. Shira Chachamim, part of the Halachal Moishmi Sinai, the Chazal knew what the shear were. So the shear is... Memsa is 40 so. So that's the amount that a person needs because that's the, about a thousand liters. So about 270 gallons. That's about, that's the, what we assume the Chumrah is about a thousand liters. Okay, so that's Memsa, that's the shear that the average person could submerge himself in, in such such water. However, the Gemara says over here, Masech Nazir, that's for Tfilas Adam. For Tfilas Kalim, now here we're talking about Tfilas Kalim Tameim. At the time the Kaiser was practicing Tumba Batara, of course they needed to eat off Kalim Tameim. So if you have kalim to mayim, so then the shear for the mikvah was a revius. Because Varach uh, is called Basara, applies to Tfilas Adam. That's necessarily applied to Tfilas kalim to mayim. So with regards to Tfilas kalim to mayim, the shear was a revius. This is not to be confused with Tfilas kalim that you buy from a nachri, which the Torah discussed in Parashas Matos. There the Pasuk says, Ach b'mei nida yishata. They acquired Tfilas kalim that you buy from a nachri in the same waters that the nida is tevelas b'hem. This is over here, by the Zara or Izvam. So whatever the standard is for Tvilas Nida, that's what you require for Tvilas Kalim too. So there, there was never a shear of Revius. Of course, you require Memsa and Tvilas Kalim that you buy from a guy. What the Gemara says over here is Tvilas Kalim to Mayim. 
So then, uh, it was enough for the Revias. But even that, Chazal Mavatel, lest you come to confuse it with Tvi Lasada. Meaning, if we're going to have the time that causes us practicing Tumut Patara, we're going to have one mikvah for Tvi Lasada. Imagine with the Rosh, we'd have all the time for Tvi Lasada if everyone had to eat off Kalim Tahirim. So we're going to have to have a separate mikvah just for that. So we're going to have one mikvah that's a Revias. So we're going to have one mikvah that's um, our boy and saw. People are going to get confused. So Chazal um, 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 discontinued the heter of being tovel, even kelim tameim and revius, lest it come, come confused with tvigos adam. They said across the board you require memsa. What about a mayon? A mayon, the Bryce already told us, mayon is metarbakoshu. Now you have to submerge your whole body or the whole kli in the waters of the mayon, but a mayon fundamentally is metarbakoshu. However, is that only with regards to tefillahs kelim tameim, like we had in the mikvah, we had a revius, so in the Mayan in the spring, it's enough with Koshu. Or is no, in the Mikvah, for, even for Tvigos Adam, you require 40 saw. A Mayan, Tvigos Adam, even Tvigos Adam doesn't require 40 saw. Meaning, is this the equivalent of the Mikvah, which had a Shia Revius, for Tvigos Kalim Tameim, or is this equivalent, is this comparable to Tvigos Adam in the Mikvah, where it's 40 saw, and the Mayan is Koshu? So that's a Mayan. But the Gemara says it straight out. So that's for a Mikvah. What about a Mayan? A Mayan was Matarba Koshu. So Mayan, is that metabakoshu only for Tvilos Kalim Tameim, like we have in the Mikvah Revius, or is that even for Tvilos Adam? So that's a big machleg, so we showing him over here. The Re's opinion is, no, that it's just for Tvilos Kalim Tameim that a Mayan is metabakoshu. When it comes to Tvilos Adam, even a Mayan requires 40 saw. Even a Mayan requires 40 saw. It's comparable to the Revius of a Mikvah, and Chazal Mavatl, the Revius of a Mikvah. So, so too, they'd be Mavatl, the head of the Koshu, with regards to a Mayan, and Tvilos Adam always would require Memsa. However, the uh, other Deus and Toysvis and Roy Varishainim, the Rambam, the Rosh, the Ran, all disagree. And they say, no, it, it, uh, the, this is the equivalent, or this is the you know, analogous to the Mikvah's 40 saw, the Mayan is cultural, even for Tvigo Sadam. It's not just for Tvigo's Kayom Tameim. And they have a riot from this Sifra. So you can Look do hand by hand, you're saying in the spring? No. You always require Tvigo Babasachas. Always all at once. The yeah. question is, what's the base? I mean, is there a minimum shear of water that you need? Correct. So let's say for whatever you need to submerge the body. So, yeah, whatever you need to cover the body, but it's, it, there's no minimum shear necessarily. Uh-huh. Okay, it could be small Kaylee. It could be a small Kaylee. So look over here. Ois Bays, the Sifra compares mikvah barbansa uh, to mine kolshu. So the Rebbe Rishayim asks on the re, how could you say that the sheer kolshu of a mine is only talking about tvigos kalim, tvigos kalim to mayim? A mikvah is a revius. Yet over here, the Sifra is comparing forty-seven mikvah. To Mayan of a, 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 a Koshu of a Mayan. So it sounds like they're talking about the same case, um, and yet the uh, Sifra says a Mayan is a Koshu. So it sounds like for Rebbe Rishonim, it sounds like from here that even for Tvilos Adam, uh, a Mayan doesn't necessarily require 40 saw. Yeah? The piece is minimal shear, it's a technical requirement to have. Good question. Water. I don't know. I, I think it's a minimum shear, but. Um, the piece is very little. Right, very small, yeah, yeah but it's not Koshu. Koshu, right. But you're right. If, if we're talking about machin v'tinaris. You're talking about little pins and needles, so it could be less than yeah. Okay, so that's the, the opinion of Rav Harishayim is that even for tefillah there was no shear of memsa. How do we possibly on this issue? So the Shulchan Aruch is machmir like the opinion of the Ri that bain in a mikvah or bain in a mayan you always require forty saw. The Vilna Gaid and the B'ar Gra disagrees, and he says why should you be machmir like the opinion of the Ri? Rav Harishayim disagree, and he doesn't like the Ri's opinion anyway. It seems to be against the Sifra. The Sifra compared and contrasted. A culture of a Mayan with 47 mikvah. 47 mikvah works for Tio Sadam, so then the culture of the Mayan should also work for Tio Sadam. So it's a machlaik, it's between the Shochanarch and the Vilna Gaon. Obviously, we're going to be machmir in a Mayan, you also require 40 so. That's why I say the issue rarely plays out Lamaisa. What are the. What's the 40 so? It's halach lamaisha misina. Oh, 
Okay. Like every but shear. That's no, that's the, the assumption. But how much water do you need to cover the body? Because I didn't say that they tested in the laboratory. Huh? That's why Rosh Hashanah requires Kalim. But the Pasuk says, The Tigos Kalim requires waters that are neither to those for him. It's the same amount of water. It needs to cover a whole body. You need to cover a little Kalim. Right. No, no. The shear that they said for an Adam is Amal, Amal, Rum, Gimel, Amal, one Amal by three Amas, which they said is 40 so. Right. That's for a person. But the Pasuk says, By Tigos Kalim, Av bemei nida yizchata. So whatever you need for nida, you need for a mikvah too. Zeres HaKosim. Zeres HaKosim. That's for, for Tfilas Kalim Tameim. Not for Tfilas Kalim that you buy from an Ochri. Tfilas Kalim Tameim, enough for the Revit. The difference is that what, uh, what, what? Give me an example of a Kalim that. Oh, I mean, Tumas Mesh, let's say. A, a, a a, and you're is, eating Chuma and Kachim. It's Mancha Beis and Mikdash Kaim. You need right. Kalim Tameim. Exactly. Exactly. is also Tameim for a different reason. What is it? It's not Tuma. That's how It's like Geirus on the Kalim. You're being Megayar the Kalim. You have to have Jewish Kalim. That's what Shaitim said. Oh, if, what so, if you break the clay a little bit? Does that, does that help? No. We'll have, okay, we'll talk about Tfilos Kalev another time. Yeah, yeah. So you, it could be. Then you're the one who's shopping the clay. You broke it and you make it. You can, if you really have to break it. Yeah, okay, these are all heterim. You really have to break it, though. They do for chip on the side? Yeah, okay, but we'll. No, chip on the side, no. You have to take it all apart and put it all back together. So then, okay. Okay, we'll talk another time. Yeah, what are they arguing about, though? What are the Rishadim arguing about? Whether the Shia of Memsa is only by Mikvah, whether or not it should extend to a Mayan too. So they say over from Rebchayim, it's in the Kedusha Rebchayim on Shas, it's the same thing, it's from the Rogish What they're arguing about is, what is the nature of the Shia Memsa when it comes to a Mikvah? You know, is that the part of the definition of a Mikvah? Is that it has to have 40 saw? If that's the case, who's to say it necessarily extends to a Mayan? Maybe that's the definition of a Mikvah. These are two separate things in the Pasuk. Ach, mine, the Bor Mikvah, mine, Yatar. Ach teaches us there are certain properties of mine has that don't extend to the Mikvah. So maybe one of the differences is a Mikvah requires 40 sub, but that's part of the definition. A Mikvah must have 40 sub. Well, then who's to say it extends to the mine? Or maybe no. Maybe we should say that this is what Chazal declared as the sheer universally for Tfilos Hagavra. Uh, human beings have to immerse themselves in the Mikvah, the whole body will one. So Chazal said, you know what? Even if you can immerse yourself in less, so we don't want people to you know, mess around, even not on the level of the Rabbana, maybe even on the level of the Raisa, kind of like a low plug, a low, you know, we painted a wide brush, everyone has to be tribal in 40 saw. If that's the case, then it makes sense to extend it to a Mayan too, because a Mayan also requires Tfil Babasah, because you also have to immerse your entire body all one. So then it makes sense, well, maybe we should carry the Shia of Memsa over to the Mayan. We are Machmel Lamaisa, that even by a Mayan, you require 40 saw. However, even there, Let's say it could be it's part of the definition of a mikvah that you know it has to have forty sa. Is the sheer forty sa that requiring the mind necessarily the same as we require in the mikvah? Or maybe in the mikvah it's fundamental, it's part of the definition of a mikvah. Regards to the Mayan, maybe it's only a halacha and the Tfilos Hagavra. It's not a part of the definition of a Mayan. So even within the way that we pass in the Wermachmir for Shir Mem Sub by a Mayan, we could wonder, is that part of the definition of a Mayan? Is simply not called a Mayan for Tfilos Adam with less than 40 Sub? Or is that just a practical side of the issue? You know, practical side of the ledger that we always require Tfilos Babasachas, and therefore we establish by a Mayan also with regards to Tfilos Adam, we require 40 Sub. So here... Um, Shmuel, Rizovsky in the Sefer Zichon Shmuel, quotes the name of the Briskerov, that he claimed that was a Machlekes Rishonimo here with regards to Tfilos Kalim in Amayan. I'll hear Ice Test, the tour quotes a Machlekes between himself and the Smak, that it's true in a mikvah, you require Apamei Nida Yishat, you're going to require 40 Sah for Tfilos Kalim. What about in Amayan? Amayan is Matar Bakalshu. So we said, yes, it's true for Tfilos Adam, you require Mem Sah. Does that extend to Tfilos Kalim too? Tfilos Kalim that you buy from a guy. 
in a mayon, can you be tribal on kolshu, or do you require, meaning water that will cover the kli, or do you require 40 sa there as well? So the opinion of the smak was, no, you require 40 sa by the mayon also. Even in a mayon, you require 40 sa. The tour disagrees. The Torah's opinion is, what are you talking about? In a mine is matar bakolshu. So yes, it's true for Tvila Sadam, you need 40 sa. That's because, uh, you know, universally required for Tvila Sadam to make sure that the body is covered, they required 40 sa for Tvila Sadam. Who's to say that that extends to Tvila Sadam necessarily? When should we equate Tvila Sadam with Tvila Sadam? Is when you're talking about something that's part of the definition of the mikvah, part of the definition of the Mayan. So the same standard, qualitatively, that you need for the mikvah, for Tvilas Nashim, you need for the mikvah for Tvilas Kayum. And the same quali- you know, qualitatively, the same standard, you require for Tvilas uh, you know, Nashim in Amayon, you require for Tvilas Kayum in Amayon. But here we're talking about not a qualitative issue, but a quantitative issue. It's not a matter of fundamentally different, it's a matter of Tvilas Hagavra, to make sure that the whole Kli is submerged, the whole Gavra is submerged. So maybe that by Amayon, uh, for Tvilas Adam, you require 40 saw. Who's to say necessarily that that carries over to Tvilas Kayum, that you should require 40 saw? It's not different than the re. The sma the the, the re said that for a mind require forty suffer to feel a sodom. But why is that? Why is that? Is that because um, it's part of the definition of a Mayan that you require 40 sa, less than that for Tvila Sadam is simply not called a Mayan. Or no, it's a practical issue. We want to make sure everyone gets submerged all at once, so you require 40 sa. So Smok says, that's not a practical issue. If that'll be a practical issue, why should it extend to Kalim? Maybe that's only for Tvila Sadam, for Tvila Sadam. Yes, it's true, they require the same standard, but this is not a halach in the standard. This is not a halach in the definition of a Mayan. They require the same you know, source of their Tahara. He, this is a practical issue. We have to make sure the whole body is covered. So Chazal said, you know what? You need 40 uh, across the board. If that's the case, who's, you know, it's a, the smack, the, the smack up. So then who's to say that extends to Tfilah's Kalim? What the smack is saying is, not only is this halach in Tfilah Sadam, a practical issue. This is a fundamental issue in the definition of a Mayan vis-a-vis Tfilah Sadam. If that's the case, well, then the same standard required for Tfilah Sadam has to extend to Tfilah's Kalim too. The Re could be that you could be type of Kalim in less than about them. So. The tour argues, even within the in opinion the of the Re, that okay. you require Mem Sa for a Mayan for Tfilah Nashim. You, you, you don't need for Kalim. It's a practical issue, at least with regards to the Mayan. It's a practical issue. And so Chazal declared across the board, you require 47, but who's to say it carries over to Tfilah's so Kalim? You're right, he says they are. In a Mayan, it's all the same. In a Mayan, Kalim to Mayim and Tvilas Kalim, according to the Torah, all the same. So, in a Mayan, if you would have a Mayan, you could be Tvilas Kalim in less than 40 sa. That's about mikvah. That's about mikvah. Just to understand what a Mayan really is a spring. Spring. We're going to define it in a second. We're going to sign in a second. Give me a second. You're 100% right. The excellent. You're as Mamash on the nose. We get to your point literally one second. Oh, fantastic. How do we pass? Can we pass? across the board, you require 40 saws. So, Bain in a mikvah, Bain in a mayan, Bain for Tvilah Sadam, Bain for Tvilah Kalim, you require 40 saws. So, that's why I say the, the difference between a mikvah and a mayan vis a vis 40 saws is Kimat is, is not relevant for my son. Because we always require 40 saws, unless you're being Tvilah Kalim to Mayan, which no one is doing. So, we're only being Tvilah Nashim and Kalim. We always require 40 saws, Bain in a mikvah, Bain in a mayan. But the difference between a mikvah and a mayan with regards to Zeichlin. Is very relevant to the The, the Sifra said there's another difference between the two, the mikvah and the mayan, that a, a, a mayan is matar even when the water is moving. A mikvah is only matar when the water is stationary, when the water is stagnant. Why is there a difference between them with regards to this issue? So Rav Avishayim explained that it's because that's the way they naturally behave. Uh, 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 rainwater naturally is, finds a depression in the ground and then sits there, whether it's a well, whether it's a cistern or whatever, a lake. It just sits naturally. That's the way that they are. They, they sit naturally, 
you know, uh, stationary in the same place. So that's why, since that's the way it behaves naturally, it's only matar bash burn. A spring, so, but, but, what, you know, what, what's the difference between spring water and rainwater? After all, everything is all part of the water cycle, right? All water evaporates, goes up to clouds, and comes down in rain. The difference between spring water and rainwater is, uh, or, you know, mikvah water and Mayan water is mikvah water is surface. Yeah, very good. Mikvah water is rainwater that's collected from the surface of the ground. Spring water is rainwater also, but it went through the layers of soil, of rock, of permeable rock, until it hits the layers in the earth of non or impermeable rock. You know, the, the rock where the water can't pass through. There's different densities of rock. Some rock is permeable, some rock is not permeable. At a certain point, it hits rock, which is impermeable. And it creates what's known as the water table. Uh, underneath the ground, there is a, a layer of water where the rainwater goes down and passes through all the layers of rock and it just can't pass anymore. That's spring water, because after passing through all these layers of rock, it gets purified. It acts like a filter. You would think dirt, water, dirt is, and soil is dirty, but it's not. It actually purifies it from, from different uh, uh, toxins. So when it goes through all of this filtration system, it becomes pure, and it becomes uh, maimai, and it becomes spring water. Now, there's lots of different kinds of springs. Sometimes you have uh, impermeable rock, and permeable rock right on top of each other. You can see it sometimes in, in national parks, or if you like hiking, you can see sometimes water coming out of the side of a mountain. So that's because you saw different layers of rock. In Utah, you can see mammoths. You can see the different uh, stratifications of the rock. But you see permeable rock, you see impermeable rock, and all of a sudden you see water coming out of the side. That's because that's the water table coming, coming out. Sometimes there's uh, pressure that's exerted because you have water coming down a slope underneath the ground. There's you know, permeable rock, impermeable rock, it creates pressure that shoots up out of the ground. That's called a geyser. That's, you know, uh, whatever, because the, the pressure that's underneath the ground, the water shoots up. But then there's other kinds of spring water, which is just like an aquifer, which is there's a water table beneath the ground. The guy goes in Muncie. He digs down deep enough in the ground. You'll be able to find water anywhere it rains. If you dig, not in the desert, but if you dig down deep enough into the ground, you'll be able to find water because the water has to go somewhere. After it rains, it goes down to this water table. So you can dig down deep enough, and that's how you create well water. So sometimes the spring water is flowing. Sometimes, you know, let's say in a geyser, it's shooting up out of the ground. Sometimes it's, you know, that's like Maimchaim. It looks like it's alive. And sometimes you have uh, spring water that's just sitting in an aquifer, sitting in a pocket of water underneath the ground. As opposed to a mikvah that's usually all in the same place. In fact, the Rosh claims it might even be alluded to in the language of the word mikvah itself, where the Apostle says in Parashas Bereshis, that all of the waters, yikavu, the word mikvah itself implies that the water is gathered together in one central and stationary location. So the word mikvah means the water is gathered in one place because that's the way rainwater naturally behaves. Spring water behaves in a bunch of different ways. So therefore, writes the Aruch HaShulchan over here, Oisid Aleph, on the second line, Naturally, they don't flow. They're not moving. That's not the true, that's not the case with regards to Mayonos. A Mayonos spring can be stationary in the form of an aquifer, but it can be moving as well. And that's why Mayan water is matire, whether it's stationary or whether it's moving. This all is relevant with regards to rivers. Rivers are obviously moving water. So if you have a river which is comprised of rainwater, either because it rains and this is the pressure in the ground down the side of a hill and it all starts flowing, or because there's melting snow caps at the top of a mountain that starts to melt in the summertime and starts to run down the side of the, river, the mountain and create a river. So if a river is comprised of rainwater, since it's moving, it will not be able to be usable for a mikvah. If it gets you know, to the bottom and becomes stationary, then it can be used as a mikvah. But Kozman, it's moving, it cannot be. If it's supplied by a spring, oh, then spring water is metar bezeichon, so if the river is supplied by a spring, it can serve as a mikvah. What if it's supplied by both? 
What if there's a base of a spring, and then you have rainwater that falls on top, that adds to the river? That is what's discussed by the Gemara Mesechus Nadarim over here, Memo Medalev, and there's a big Mokhlekes between Rav and Shmuel. The opinion of Rav is... So, 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 yeah. one second, one second. so again, when, if, it's, if it's water that filters and it hasn't found a stationary place uh-huh. yet, yeah. it can be, it can be uh, Mithaya. If it's water... Cannot. Until it finds a stationary place, cannot. it can be Mithaya. Rainwater, no. Okay. No. Yeah. So, but let's say the but river has... Spring water? Can, even spring cannot. Can, no, no. Spring water can be metar while it's moving. Well, can, can. Yeah, so if you have a so flowing can, spring, it can be, you can, be, you can go use that as a mikvah. If it's spring so, water. So, so again, I, I didn't get it. I, I, if it's rainwater that's collected just from the surface, it's melting snow caps. It didn't go through the layers of soil down to the water table beneath the ground. It's uh, rainwater and it's a uh, mudslide on the side of a mountain because there's rain gathering. That's, that's uh, not a kasha for a mikvah. Yeah, but it, it's always. Uh, it's always going to go through some layers of, of rock before it gets to... to but it, it remains in the, the water remains on the surface. It doesn't go from underneath the ground to the water table and then get pumped back up or get shot back up. It's, uh, it goes through the layers. It goes to the river. It's no, it doesn't go through the... It's not going through the dirt. It's going on top, top of the dirt. It yeah. right into the river. Yeah. Flowing. yeah. So yeah. when it comes to rainwater, the only time you're allowed to use it is when it ends up being stationary. Stationary. Kava, it comes together. Right. Then the 40... Then you have to have 40 sub. Look, Correct. But we always water, need 40 sub. Always need 40 right. sub. We said, yeah. Saying, but by spring water, yeah. right? Mm. You're allowed to so use the close. water that went through all the different processes of whatever it is. And once it reaches, let's say... Uh, a waterfall, so to speak, comes no, down. Into a waterfall a- could be melting snow. You have no idea what a waterfall is. A waterfall is probably not a spring. So spring, is unless you a have geyser, a spring that you know, either a geyser or you see it flowing, or you pumped up water from underneath the ground in the form of uh, that's well, that's not a spring. Yeah, you you could pump it up, yeah, but, but now it's uh, moving. If you use the bucket. <laughs> one, one second. If water falls... Or there are natural springs. There are some lakes that are supplied, right? I don't know what Saratoga Springs is, but... The, uh, the, and a man, let's say its a, name implies a that there's a spring. A lake, lake, let's say. It is a depression in the ground that's meant to carry rainwater. Now, a lake, a lot of times lakes have water coming in and going out. So a lake, you never know what the story is with a lake. A lake could be a depression in the ground that just gathered rainwater, and the ground is saturated, and the water table isn't so deep, so the water gathers in. It doesn't go through the soil because it's saturated, and there's impermeable rock, but, but, but and then it creates a lake. But a lot of times you have lakes that are man-made. What that means when you say man-made is not that they created the depression. They have uh, conduits that are bringing water there, that's not stationary That's water. That's water coming and going out. That's why you have to be very careful with lakes. Lakes sometimes are, when you say man-made, it could just mean they carved out a, a, a hole in the ground. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes there's water going in and going out. So before you table in a lake, you have to investigate a lake. discussing the Hudson River, not the Central Park Reservoir? No, Central Park Reservoir, I tried to investigate where the water comes from. I was unable to it, figure it out. It's actually, I think, this flow, it's, uh, it comes from somewhere. It comes from reservoir somewhere else, I think. It comes from somewhere else, yeah. I don't think it's from here yeah. yet. But that's all rainwater. Correct, but if there's water coming in and going out, a lot of lakes, there's water coming in and going out. There's pipes coming in underneath that's the lake. Not, that's if that's good. the case, that's no good because, because, because not mine, it's all the bungalow out. colonies have to send their water somewhere. So where do they send it to? These lakes. So then there's water coming in constantly. So it's not stationary water. If it's stationary water, it's a closed lake. There's no open things coming into the lake. So then it's good for the skin. But someone has to investigate that. It's a, it's a difficult thing to figure out to make sure that it's literally a and closed la- lake. Last question, sorry. Yeah. Last question. The ocean? We'll no, get uh, to it. Okay, one second. One second. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So again, if it rains in a mountain no. and a little bit of the water right. gets filtered uh-huh. through uh-huh. some of the mountain Mm-mm. and then it starts flowing. Hits the water table and then it's spring water. If it just goes down the side of the mountain and goes underneath a layer of dirt, that's not a Mayan. Okay. 
goes down to all the layers of permeable rock. Now, if you're in where there is no permeable rock, you're in a national park and you see, you know, whatever, so then you can't have May Mayan. But it's only in a place where it goes down all the way through the ground. And one thing, and, 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 and what up. about uh, so Niagara Falls? What would you? I don't know what it? I don't know what Niagara Falls is. I assume, I don't know what supplies that. So I assume it's, it's the Great river, Lakes, right? It's a river. All right. So if it's rainwater, again, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know where uh, the water comes from. What? Huh? It's not. It's not. It's not, it's not no. Right, no. Uh, what if you have go back to the lake, uh, the river? You have a river supplied by a spring. Rainwater comes on top of it. So that's a big machlek in Rav and Shmuel. Rav's opinion is, well, you can go, if it's Rav may Mayan, you can, it's, 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 it's acceptable for Tefillah while it's moving. If it's Rav may Gishamim, they're not. And it might depend on the time of the year. And that's actually one opinion the Gemara quotes in the name of Shmuel, one version of Shmuel. It depends on the time of the year. If there's rainwater, you can't use it. If there's uh, mainly spring water, it is acceptable. Shmuel, or one version of Shmuel, disagrees. His opinion is, as rain falls on top of the river, the spring provides extra water as well to restore the equilibrium. So whenever rain falls on the river, the spring pushes out more water in order to restore the equilibrium. Here, the round quotes the you never find in the second to the bottom line of Oisid Bays, you never find water that falls on top of a river that water doesn't come up to meet it from the spring below. So it restores the equilibrium. So even if it's a lot of rain, the river remains mainly spring water and is acceptable for Tvila. How do we pass in the Shulchan Aruch? We are Machmir, like the opinion of Rav. Why? Rav, every Shaitan passing like Rav, whenever you're Machlech, is Rav and Shmuel. In Isabel Hatta, we usually passing like Rav. So when it comes to what's it considered to be a kosher mikvah or mayon, so we put in a passing like Rav. Rav's opinion is it depends whether it's Rav. If it's Rav spring water, it's kosher for tefillah while it's moving. If it's Rav rave water, not kosher. So when do we hold like Rav and when do we hold like Shmuel? When it's Isabel Hatta, we pass like Rav. When it's Dine Mominus, passing like Shmuel. That's not Dine Mominus. No, but you might lose. You might lose out. That's true. That's a consequence of. Animal becoming right. straight, but it's not the name of it. It's not adversarial law. It's religious. It's ritual law. So over here, um, we pass in the Shulchan Aruch like Rav that it depends. So you can't be toivel in a river unless you ascertain that it's mainly spring water. Again, that requires a lot of research to find out if a river is mainly spring water and will only be in the non-rainy season or when the snow caps are not mounting, uh, melting on the mountains around it. The Ramah quotes um, the opinion of Shmuel because uh, Rabbeinu Tam passed in like Shmuel. So the Ramah is willing to be Mekel. There were many communities that didn't, simply didn't have a Mekel. There was no one to be Tevel other than the closest river. So Rabbeinu, the Ramah is willing to be Mekel. Like Rabbeinu Tam, if there is no other place to be Tevel, only the Shas Chak, you'd be Tevel in the river. As long as there is a base, though, of spring water. If there's a base, a foundation of spring water, even if rainwater falls on top of it, you can still be Tevel in the uh, moving water, even when right of it is rainwater, since the foundation of it was spring water. That's Shmuel. That's the opinion of Shmuel, and we're Mekel like Shmuel B'Shas Chak. So if there is no other place to be toivol, you could be toivol in a river that at least has a base of a uh, Maimayan. Now you have to ascertain that there is at least a base of the Maimayan. If the whole river is supplied by rainwater or melting snow caps, then it's never kosher while it's moving because it's all rainwater. It's only when there's a foundation of spring water, meaning even when it would be a drought, when there'd be no rain, there's still spring water coming, the river still exists, so then you could be toivol there. Otherwise, even Shmuel would not agree. And I guess that's something that requires, that requires a lot of research. The Trumas Hadeshin, though, over here, asks a very important question. He asks, why is this the case? Why does Rav, the way we paskin, you really can't be toivel in a river when the majority is rainwater, even if there is some spring water there. Why? Why should that be, that, why should that be the case? There's a very famous halach in Hilchus Mikvos that, of course, the mikvah has to be made 
Bidayadam, uh, just like a mine in a mikvah, or the mine at least, is a naturally occurring phenomenon. No one created the spring. It's natural. So to the mikvah has to be produced through natural means. You can't put it in a bucket. You can't put it in a cup to bring the water to the mikvah. That's what's known as mayim shuuvim. It has to come naturally, which is a great challenge in building mikvahs to make sure you don't put it in a bucket or in a cleat. Fine. But if you have a kasha mikvah there, if you have 40 saw there, that foundation, you could add komayim shuuvim shabayolam to that foundation and the entire thing becomes the entire thing becomes acceptable for Tvigla because you have that foundation there. Once I have a foundation of Maimayon, why can I add rainwater on top of it and allow the whole thing to take on the identity of Maimayon, just like if I had a foundation of 40 sub, Maimayon Ksherim, I could add Komayon Shubim Shabbat becomes Tar. How come I can't add rainwater to the spring water and allow it to become Kasher with Tvigla even while it's moving? That's the bomb Kasher that the Chumas Hadeshin is. So the Chumas Hadeshin gives one answer, which is a little bit cryptic. But the Achreinim say this is what the Chumas Hadeshin meant, is the aside from Abchayim, the Chazanish says the same thing, they rarely agree over here, they're on the same page. They say the same, same, same Yisoyed. And that is that being, the ability to be Matar while the water is moving is something that is, you know, flows or stems from the way that this water naturally behaves. It's not something that's transferable, it's something that has to be, you know, inherent, indigenous, to the way that the water behaves in nature. That's why Mayan water is Matar B'Zeichen. So you can't transfer that to water that then comes, you know, is added to the spring water. The spring water naturally behaves this way. The rainwater that falls on top does not naturally behave this way. And therefore, the rainwater that falls on top is not cautious to be matire while it's moving. It's only cautious to be matire while it is stationary. Because that's the way this water naturally behaves. This ability to be matire is in the May Mayan. It's the way the water behaves, and therefore it's not transferable to where it falls on top. Says the Chazanish over here, designed the shiny Zoichlin, the Bayinish Yezichilosan Keteva Zichilos Hamayan. It has to be natural to this water. So if you have spring water, shuvim is something to be removed by being placed in a foundation of 40 cell. But the ability to be matar while the water is moving is unique. It's different than other halachas and mikvos. That is something that has to be natural to the way the water behaves. So if the spring water behaves this way, that's true. The rainwater that falls on top does not behave this way and therefore won't acquire that status. Moving on to the ocean and then we'll get to the Hudson River in a second. Can explain for one second? How does a mikvah, our mikvahs work? We have, we have. That's we, another topic for no, another no, no, time. No, I, I want to understand to, to understand this. It's rainwater that's gathered into a pit. You have a pipe that goes to outside without putting any buckets or. No cables. buckets, but how does how does the water get in? We there? have a pipe from the roof that comes straight down to the pit. Pipe and, and how does how does it get purified that it doesn't like get it's like dirt. It, it's dirty water, basically. It is so, dirty water. And has, <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's, we it pour gets, chlorine in the water. Oh, we pour chlorine. You allowed to do that? A more complicated process than that, but yes. Oh. Can you explain again the, the the spring water, the different natures of the of the two waters? Rainwater, oh, 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 the spring water is water naturally flows, right? That's the way it naturally behaves. Spring water is sometimes moving, sometimes stationary. Rainwater is always stationary, right? That's the way we find it in nature, is it gathers in one place and stays there. Springs underneath the ground are constantly moving, some are shooting up. So uh-huh. springs are mature even when they're moving. Because that's the way they naturally okay. behave. But just because you have rainwater fell on spring water, we can't transfer, we can't uh, impose that identity onto water that's not the way it naturally behaves. So moving over to seawater, ocean water, how does ocean water naturally behave? So it's a big machlek, satanoim, is oceans treated like a mikvah, is oceans treated like a mayan. We pass like Rabbi Yosef here in the Gemara Masech L'Shabbos, Kuptes Medalev, kol hayyamim etayrim bezoichlim. All seas or oceans are metayr bezoichlim. Why? Rashi and Tysus both say, because that's the way oceans behave. Rashi says, water is always coming into the ocean and going out of the ocean. Tysus is a different shot. It's because the ocean is constantly moving with waves crashing on the shore and then coming back into the ocean. So constantly the oceans are moving back and forth in a form of Zeichlin, and that's why the oceans are Matar B'Zeichlin, because that's the way that they naturally behave. So, so like a spring. 
they behave like a spring and therefore they're treated like a spring. So let's move over now to the, to the Hudson River. So the Hudson River, Hudson River, is actually not a river. It's not Kishmoy Kenhu. It's actually an estuary. It's a place where the ocean meets the river. You have the Atlantic Ocean coming in uh, from the south of Manhattan. And over here coming up from the north, we have the melting snow caps from the Adirondacks coming down into the uh, Hudson River. Is there spring water in the Hudson River too? I have no idea. There's, there is springs in northern New York. I don't know if that contributes to the flow of the Hudson River. I don't know what would happen if you removed the rainwater. Would Central Park? Central Park is all man-made stuff. But over here, this is rainwater that's coming from the top and seawater that's coming in from the ocean. So what about the Hudson River? Can you be toivo? Is it mainly rainwater? If it's mainly rainwater, it can't be toivo unless it's stationary. If it's mainly seawater, you can be toivo while it's moving. So... We should, it's easy to tell because ocean water is um, salty, is seawater. Uh, mountain water, rainwater, is fresh water. So where's the line? So the truth of the matter is the line is at the lowest point at the Tappan Zee Bridge, meaning when it's not the rainy, when it, even when it's the rainy season, the lowest the rainwater pushes into the ocean is the Tappan Zee Bridge. You, in the non-rainy season, the ocean water extends further north. Then so the tapping salt water? Here it's salt water. Really? Yeah, here it's salt water. So here should be, you should be able to do Tfilas Kalim. Tfilas Kalim is never advisable in an ocean for a whole bunch of reasons. The first is, obviously, you can't wear clothing, um, right? That's a chatzitza. We should go to the mikvah without any clothing. So you can wear loose-fitting clothing. That's true. Um, but no one's really supposed to see you. No one's really supposed to see you when you're going into the mikvah. No, as it says in Shulchanach, a woman should go to the mikvah with other people watching her because she's going to uh, rush her tefillah, and we never want a woman to rush her tefillah, she might not do it properly. So, whenever other people, so you have to find the secluded area of the ocean, I don't know, here or any other ocean, and... and at night, you can't see in the ocean. Yeah, tefillah is usually at night, but that's no. true, yeah, okay. And there could be, she had to have to go wear clothing, no one would be able to find her, and you have to be careful from the riptide, but even more than that, you can't go in wearing shoes, that's tefillah al-gabi kalim, because that's, you're not allowed to be tefillah on top of kalim, you have to go in barefoot, and not too barefoot that your feet are sunk into the sand, then it constitutes a chatzitza. There's a million problems, practically, halachically, that need to be avoided, pitfalls, literally, that need yeah, to be avoided. Yeah, it's, it's dangerous. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's not advisable. So he goes, okay, I'm a little bit more of an option. You can just lean over. You could dip it into the ocean. If you drop it, my rash, okay, you lost it. You lost the Kaylee as long as you dump it in. So you can put it into the ocean. In theory, over here, I think this is the ocean. should be able to do Tfilas Kaylee in the ocean. However, there are certain, um, this is really disgusting, but the, the city sewer system is constructed in such a way, sewage goes to sewage plants. Um, it's processed, as it should. However, the way the city's sewer systems were built a million years ago is that when it rains, the water obviously goes to the same sewer. Um, and when it rains, the, you know, if the sewer can't handle it in the, in the treatment plant, it overflows into the adjacent waterways. So when it overflows, that's why in the, when it really rains a lot, the water overflows to adjacent waterways and takes with it some of the sewage. So that's why the Hudson River is not a really clean place to go or any of the waterways adjacent to New York City. Because when it rains, they say you can see it, when it rains, the sewage that's in the sewer on its way to the, 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 the treatment plant overflows into the adjacent waterways. So there's literally sewage going in. But when it rains... Rainwater pours into the river. Whoa, rainwater is pouring into a river. So even if it fundamentally it's a mine or fundamentally it's an ocean, when there's so much rainwater pouring in, so then that couldn't validate its ability to be metahir bezoichim when it's moving. That's only, though, if it's a rive. If it becomes a rive of the water. Rabu hanaitvim al hazoichim. If there's a majority of rainwater. 
we have in the Upper West Side a few of these overflow spigots into the Hudson River. 72nd, 79, 89, one right here, and 96. They're not major contributors. They're not, it's not a big... Uh, there are other, the Bronx has a lot bigger, <laughs> bigger uh, uh, spigots into the natural waterways. We don't have too much over here. And even if we would have a lot, uh, it's not going to become a rave of the Hudson River. Hudson River is enormous. So even, even if there's gallons and gallons pouring out, when it rains, which is only when it rains, so it's never going to overtake the Hudson River. So when it rains, maybe a good idea not to stick it in the sewer line that's pouring out into the Hudson River for a lot of reasons. Not a good idea to do that. But when it's not raining, and even when it is raining, probably to use the Hudson River is kosher, is kosher for Tfilas Kalim, so we not recommend it for Tfilas Nashim. And, you know, that's the bottom of the barrel for me. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs>